Uh, we've been talking about missions the whole month of March. Uh, we defined our mission as growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. Uh, the next week we talked about how none of us are excluded from that mission of expanding God's kingdom. Uh, we talked about the power of a convicted mission. We took a look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then last week we talked about local missions. And then this morning we're going to conclude our series on marching for missions as we talk about international missions. And uh, good news for you guys, you don't have to hear me speak this morning. Um, we have a guest speaker in town. Um, I am super excited about this. Uh, I reserved this guest speaker to come here this morning uh, before I even got here. Uh, that's, that's how much excited and how much uh, planning I put into this because I was so excited and I so much wanted for him to be able to present to you what he has to offer. And our guest speaker is Rick McClain, the head of LHI, uh, Lord's Harvest International, uh, the International Missions uh, Conference that's affiliated with our denominations. And again, his name is Rick McClain, but to me, I call him Zach. He is my uh, father, and I'm happy to have him uh, here this morning to speak to us. So here is Rick McClain. Good morning. Thank you so much for this chance to come talk to you about a subject I'm very passionate about, I love talking about, and just thank you for this chance. I'm going to talk this morning about missions and why I believe missions are important, some highlights of what's happening in our LHI mission fields, and how each of you can support missions. Now, if you know me at all, you know that I have one main goal in life. And this is kind of what the whole thing is about here. I'm going to get it right out, right in the first part. One main goal in life is get as many people in the kingdom as possible. That's really all that matters to me on this earth right now. Um, is That's what we need to be doing is getting as many people in the kingdom as possible. So that's what I'm about. That's why I'm involved in missions. And uh, then let's turn to uh, some scripture to back that up a little bit. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe? As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. So Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God made it grow. Now Paul and Apollos, they're not around anymore, so uh, we need to be the planters, and the waterers now. In verse 8, it says that the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. What is that single purpose? Why should we plant? Why should we water? It's to get as many people in the kingdom as possible. We only have one purpose in life, and it's all about getting people in the kingdom. Now, I thought about last words. You've heard of last words, right? It's usually maybe in movies when someone's dying and they have something really profound to say. 
and they come out with their last words, something they think is very important that they want people to know before they leave us. So I thought, okay, what, I wonder, Jesus knew he was going to leave his disciples, and he was going to be going up into heaven. I wonder what his last words were on this earth before he went up. I thought, I'll bet you whatever he said in his last words, he thought was pretty important to say. So he was with his disciples, and we can find his last words in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And he's with his disciples here. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes will be saved. Whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. And then in verse 19, just a couple verses later, he actually was taken up into heaven. So the last thing that Jesus wanted to tell his disciples before he left was to go out into the whole world and preach the gospel. That's what he thought was important. So is it always easy going out into the world? Is everyone going to listen to us? Probably not. We know that, right? Let's turn to Luke 9, verses 1 through 5. Luke 9, 1 through 5. It says, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So if they didn't want to listen, if they didn't want to hear the message, what they do? They shook the dust off their sandals, off their feet, and they moved on. Um, they, they didn't start a fight. They just wanted to get that message across, and if they didn't listen, um, they moved on. But I thought... Why was Jesus sending them to places where, you know, he's got a good connection with God? He, he knows maybe that some of these places, they're not going to be receptive to the message. Why was he sending them to places where he knew that they weren't even going to be listened to? And I think it's because everyone needs a chance. Everyone needs that chance to hear the message, and then they can choose for themselves whether they want to accept that message, what it means to them. If they don't want to hear it, again, we don't need to argue. We just shake the dust off. We move on. But can you imagine if you went through this life and you never even heard about God? You never heard about the Bible. You never heard about the coming kingdom. You never heard about what Jesus did for us. If they don't have that chance, they don't get that chance. We have to at least give them that chance, even if not everyone is going to listen to us. So, Aren't there a lot of groups, though, spreading the, the word, the message around the world? Sort of. Uh, the Bible's been translated into over 1,200 languages. Many other denominations have missionaries all around the world, but most of them aren't preaching the truth. We believe in some distinct truths that aren't being shared around the world very well. 
because so few groups hold those same beliefs as us. Now, are those truths important? Absolutely. Are they salvation issues? Some would say yes. I would say they might be. Um, but I'm not willing to say I'm positive about that. But either way, do you think God is pleased when lies are taught? No. So we can't be scared about offending people with the truth. If they aren't accepting the truth, we just shake the dust off our feet and we move on. But at least they've heard the truth at that point. We've given them a chance to accept the truth. We shouldn't hide our beliefs, but I do think we need to share them gently. We need to share them lovingly. Not in your face, not combative. We don't want to fight. We just want them to hear what the Bible says so they can make a choice. So that's where LHI comes in, Lord's Harvest International. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on with LHI. First of all, uh, Kyle explained, it's part of our Church of God General Conference. We're kind of a group that works for the conference. There are seven of us on the LHI board. Uh, I'll list the people in case you ever want to reach out to them. Right now is Rebecca Martin, Andy Cisneros, Amber Kane, Jay Smith, Annette Osborne, and Jim Kramer. And then myself, I'm the chair, and we make up the LHI board. Now, we were sitting uh, in a room. We meet once a year face-to-face, and... We were, trying to, we were talking about our purpose. What is our perp- the purpose of LHI? And we were putting up on the whiteboard all kinds of um, thoughts, ideas, the things that we thought LHI was about. And Andy Cisneros was there, and he's really good with acronyms. And he, like it hit him, uh, he built and he came up with an acronym for what our purpose is. And it made so much sense, and it was so perfect um, that that's what we go with. And the acronym is SEEK, as in SEEK ye first the kingdom of God. So this is what our purpose is in LHI. First, the S is to search. We're searching for like-minded people around the world that we can partner with. The first E, then, is to establish a partnership. So if they have those like-minded beliefs and they want to establish a partnership with them and we think it's going to be a good fit, we will establish a partnership with them. The second E, then, is to encourage, strengthen, and support those missions. So we're going to come alongside them, and we're going to encourage them. We're going to try to strengthen them and support them. Now, I know in America, we, we like to think that, you know, we, we like to run things, and everyone should do what we say in the world, and we're kind of the big thing, but that's, that's not how we operate at all with this. We come alongside them. It's their ministries. We don't tell them what to do. We just come alongside them, encourage them, strengthen, and support them in and, and any, any way we can. And then the, the K is kingdom. We do this all for the kingdom of God. So the acronym is SEEK. That's really, it's kind of simple, but that is what we're all about um, with LHI, our purpose. We've also uh, built some teams, LHI teams, that do some of the work. We have a search team, obviously does some of the searching. Uh, we have a church involvement team that works with our churches here in the United States to keep you informed, um, to let you know what's going on, to this is where we, who we count on for donations and prayers. And uh, so the church involvement team is busy doing that. And then there are several country teams, and they work with the different partnerships that we've established in the different countries. And they uh, build those relationships. They Find out what those needs are so then we can pass them on to you so uh, we keep that communication flowing. 
And then there's an education team as well uh, to educate people about missions. And I believe uh, if you want to put some pictures up, uh, we brought some pictures today. Um, I would, I've been uh, fortunate enough to go on a missions trip a few times to Peru. And so this right here, I just want to give you a, a little bit of a overview of what we did when we were in Peru. We were actually, these pictures are when we were there just this last summer. That uh, is the church building in Lima, Peru. And that's been there for quite a while. That was our initial contact in Peru. It was in Lima. And what's interesting about that, I don't know if you know Spanish, but that sign says, Church of God, the faith of Abraham. So, I mean, they're using our name, Church of God, Abrahamic faith. That is, that's actually what they call their church. That's the name of their church, Church of God, the Abrahamic faith. Go ahead. This is some fun we had trying to drum up. When we were there, we were um, meeting with some adults and also doing meeting with kids. So we were kind of drumming up some support um, in a local park there with the kids. Uh, they had this crazy uh, bear. I think it's a bear. It's a something suit. Um, we went out making music. Uh, you'll see there's the loudspeaker. We had the loudspeaker going in the streets and making the music and inviting people and just a fun way to evangelize there in one of the parks there in town. Go ahead. This, I, the man on the left is Kerry Clark. I don't know if you've ever met or heard of him. Um, he taught me a lot um, about boldness and how you need to talk to people and don't be scared to talk to people. And this was an amazing story where um, we were in that church that you saw the picture of and he was just out on the sidewalk. We were meeting with the adults inside, but he was outside just on the sidewalk. He just talks. He, he carries little brochures in his pocket. He just talks to anybody and everybody that he can about God, about the kingdom, and, and he just he will always bring it up. So Alfredo there, um, the one in the tub, was just walking by on the sidewalk one night, and Kerry stopped him, started talking to him, invited him in. Said we're having, you know, some, we're talking in here, ha having some lessons and uh, going over some things. Would you like to come in? He said, well, I'm just getting out of work. Um, I'd like to go home and clean up, but I'll be back. Sure enough, about half hour later, he comes back. So Carrie takes him into a, a room. We're still um, working with some other adults, um, having some different classes and such. He's in there talking to him for about 45 minutes, and he comes out of the room with the rest of us and says, Alfredo wants to get baptized. So he's like, he wants to get baptized tonight. There's not a baptismal in that church. We're like, okay, uh, how do we get someone baptized like now? And they had remembered a hotel that they were at um, the year before. Carrie was on a trip there um, that was fairly close by. We all walked to that hotel and we got a special rate on, like, the honeymoon suite there with the big old jacuzzi tub. <laughs> and Alfredo got baptized that night in that hotel room with a whole bunch of people standing around, standing on the bed, you know, wherever they could. And just because of the boldness that Carrie took the time. I mean, I, that's not me to stand out on a sidewalk and engage strangers walking by to say that but because he did that Alfredo was baptized that night and it's like wow that that taught me a lot to be bold 
Go ahead. Uh, this is inside that church building, and this is um, people that were there that night. You might see some faces you recognize. Aaron Winter um, was with us. Um, my two daughters are there, as well as my son-in-law. Um, and the Carrie, Carrie and Jenny Clark as well, and then some of the people from that church. Maria, who's kind of started that church, um, is the one in the red sweater front leftish. Go ahead. So um, that was the church, the one church that we had in Peru. But then uh, a man, Edwin Mauricio Alza, he studied into our beliefs. And he was part of a much bigger denomination, the Assembly of God. He had a church of about a thousand people. Um, he broke away, and I'll talk about him in a second when there's a picture of him. But um, he had some other churches join him from this assembly church. So now in, in Peru, instead of just the one, there's the 11. I believe that comes up to 11 uh, churches now in Peru. Go ahead. We, took, uh, we were in Lima for a day or two, and then we went to Huanuco, which is a really, it's a pretty city. It's because um, it's in the mountains like that, and you're just surrounded by mountains on, on both sides. Um, it's not. It's not the United States. The buildings aren't the same. It's kind of run down. Um, it's not the cleanest place. Um, but in, in its own way, very pretty. And it was kind of nice being there. Go ahead. This is a house. It's their church, but it's somebody's house, actually, that they meet in there to do church. And this was uh, some of the people that met there. Again, we were doing kind of a conference with the adults, teaching them about the truths. And then with the kids, we were doing a Bible school. So go ahead. Because we had Carrie along and, and he was bold, we had seven baptisms that happened um, while we were on that trip of just people because he just he always would talk to people and urge them to uh, get baptized. And we didn't, they didn't have a place, a baptismal in that house either. So this is the hotel we stayed at, and they said we could use the pool at the hotel. Um, and so we had uh, seven baptisms while we were there. Go ahead. This is inside that house, praying for some of the people that were baptized. Next. Same thing inside that house. This was um, at night, uh, the, some of the teaching that was going on with the adults. Next. That I was giving a message, and um, that's Alex Davila, and he would translate because I don't speak Spanish, but he's a great trans translator. He knows English and Spanish well. Just to give you a quick story on him because he's from Nicaragua, and uh, I've been asked sometimes, like, these people that we find, do they really believe like us? I mean, like everything, like one God, like kingdom on earth, all that? And Alex had quite a story. I'll give you the brief version, but he was agnostic. He didn't know whether he believed in God or not. He had kind of a near-death experience where he almost died, and he's like, I'm going to get serious and find out what, what happens to me when I die. That's what he wanted to know. He set out on this uh, passionate journey to find out, and he didn't start with the Bible and Christianity. He was like looking at Hindu, um, the Quran, different, all different religions, studying those religions, trying to figure out which one made the most sense to him. He got around to the Bible and Christianity. 
and studied. And he, was, he told me he was like, some days he would go and study for like 17 hours a day of just trying to find this answer. He did it over a period of close to a year where he just studied, studied, studied. And he studied into the same beliefs that we have about sleep of the dead, about kingdom on earth, about one God. So all of the studying that he did, he came to believe exactly the way we believe. Next. He meets with four different groups in Nicaragua. Um, it's about 80 people, I guess. But again, just from him, you know, he was agnostic not that many years ago. Um, I don't remember exactly, but I think this is all within the last six, seven years. Um, and he's now talked to other people, and he's got four different groups that meet, and about 80 people in those groups that he's convinced, uh, and I believe as we do as well. Next. This was our Bible school. So there was about six kids from the church um, that were there, but there was a park really close by. So we walked to the park, and we set up Bible school there in this small park. And throughout three days, we were there three days, and we told them we'd be coming back. And within, during those three days, um, there were, we counted about 50 different kids there. Not all at the same time, but over those three days, about 50 different kids from the neighborhood that came and take part, took part in our Bible school. Next, and that's Aaron Winter, you know, doing his music. And he, you, maybe some of you have had the privilege of hearing him in the United States do his music. Well, he was doing it in Spanish there. He translated some songs into Spanish. That's my daughter, Mackenzie, um, doing a lesson, a puppet lesson. Um, the puppets actually were made by a... a Arkansas group here in the United States, and we brought them with us to, to be able to do this. Go ahead. Just more of the Bible school. Next. And next. And next. <laughs> so that was our trip to Peru, the highlights of it. Um, just wanted to give you a little bit of the flavor of what was going on there. Um, time very well spent. Uh, but there's a lot of other countries that we're involved in, and so I just want to briefly hit on some of those. So go ahead. Malawi. Um, there are about 80 churches, Church of God churches in Malawi, people that believe like we do, and there's also a headquarter building there now that we help them build. Next. Mozambique. Uh about 400 churches in Mozambique that believe like we do. Amazing. Kenya, about 25 churches. And we recently built them a headquarter building as well where they're going to hold youth conferences. And they actually had their first ABC classes. I don't know if they called it ABC. They might have called it ABC. I'm not, I'm not sure if they called it ABC or not, but it's college classes. Um, there in their building, and also some church services and regional meetings. And also in Kenya, you may have heard us um, talk about Ken or Twiga before, the school. Um, that is a elementary school that we helped to start and, and support um, for kids to go to a school there. To It's a school, but there's also teaching about God there as well. Go ahead. Uganda, this is kind of a new um, 
relationship that we built, a new partnership that we made uh, with Emmanuel there in Uganda, and he oversees 10 churches in Uganda. So just, that was Africa, those last four were Africa, and just to say Africa overall, there's over 500 churches in Africa. Now just to put it in perspective, I don't know how much you know about our churches in the United States, there's about 60, give or take, depending on what you call a church or not, or if it, but it's about 60. They have over 500. This, to me, is like the biggest example of you plant seeds and you water and God makes it grow. Because there's no way we made that grow. There's no, no way the things that we did made it grow like that. God's making that grow. And he's making that grow fast. Um, 500 churches in Africa that believe like we do. That's amazing to me. Uh, our main focus there, as far as supporting them, is we send a lot of Bibles there. We buy a lot of Bibles, and we build a lot of church buildings to give them a place to meet. We think it's important for them to have a place to meet, to gather, to um, be able to, for other people to see it, to maybe be able to be a part of it, want to be a part of it. So it's a lot about that. Um, we've also sent a lot of food and seed and fertilizer because they've had a lot of weather devastation the past several years where their crops get wiped out and they don't have food and, and people die. And let me just um, point out a recent urgent need that um, we just heard about a couple weeks ago where there were cyclones that hit Malawi and Mozambique and did great damage and actually so much damage that we noticed it was starting to hit our news as well as in the news here in the United States about the damage that has happened there, and we've actually had church members that have died in that. Um, in the country, hundreds of people have died. Um, very devastating storms, and um, has wiped out a lot of houses, buildings, and a lot of their crops. They're really hurting for food over there. So that is actually one urgent need that we have right now, is to help the, the cyclone victims over there. Um, so that's one thing that's, that's key right now. And then, I don't know if you saw in those pictures, I don't know if you know Joe and Rebecca Martin. They've been going there for several years, and they have a trip planned this summer again to go to Africa. Next, Pakistan. Seems really strange that we would be talking about a Christian church, a Church of God church in, in Pakistan. If you know the Middle East, it's not a very friendly place for Christians. In fact, I've seen lists where Pakistan is number one on the list in the world of where Christians are most persecuted. So not a very safe place to be a Christian, but yet we have Church of God brothers and sisters there that meet. There are about 10 churches there, and some of the main support we do for them is we buy Bibles, and we actually pay for the rent for seven of those churches to meet on Sunday so they can rent a building for them to meet in. Next one, Russia. The gentleman on the left is Maxim. He is an amazing dude. Again, someone who studied his way into our beliefs. He had a nice government job that would, could have taken care of him for life, a great job, um, but then he went and studied himself into our beliefs, and he got so on fire, he needed to preach and teach, but his job would not allow him to do that. His job was where they were going to send him to Siberia, and he was not going to be able to preach and teach. 
he quit that program that he was in that would have taken care of him for life, paid very well. They thought he was crazy. Um, nobody quits that. But he quit it because he wanted to be able to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom. However, because he did that, because he quit their program, he is actually punished and not allowed to be employed for seven years. So there's another person we are um, giving some support to. And the reason we give him support is because of this desire of his to preach and teach. He does it every day, every morning, noon, and night. He is, he is talking about God. He's talking about the kingdom. He has baptized... 23 people in nine different countries. He doesn't have a church. There's no one really around him that believes like him. He, but what he has is an internet ministry in the Russian language. So can we hear? Most of us here don't know the Russian language. We can't do that work over in Russia and speak to those people in their language. But guess what? We've got Maxime. And he can do that. And he has uh, a website that's had over 50,000 visits in the last four years. He started a Christian truths group, which is kind of like a Russian Facebook that has over 65,000 members, and that's like a one-God group. And um, he's had two of Anthony Buzzard's books translated into the Russian language that he hands out to people that are interested in finding out the truth. And what he does is during the day he volunteers at a hospital Again, he can't be employed. He's not paid. Just caring for people. And then at night, he's on the internet, like talking with people, people reaching out to him. Um, and he just works and works every day. He's so passionate about this. And again, tw 23 baptisms in nine different countries. He'll go, once he makes these contacts, he'll take a trip. And that's um, a lot of times will help support him to pay for his transportation costs to go see somebody. He'll go and be able to baptize them, spend some time with them. Um, but he's amazing. We asked him, Maxime, what about a girlfriend? And uh, he's like, I don't have time for that. He's like, <laughs> I am just, uh, this is what my life is about. This is what I'm, I'm going to do. Go ahead. Mexico. I don't know if anyone here was ever um, went to any of the trips. There were many trips in past years to Mexico to visit Lupe, and they did a Bible school there for many years. Um, that's Lupe. Her health is not the greatest these days, but because of the impact um, she made on a lot of people that went on those trips, um, a lot of those people give money to LHI to be able to support Lupe. Um, some, I, we send her $100 a month, which in Mexico you know, can, can go further. And just those people that have been on that trip, that fund was dwindling down, and, and we put the word out, and all kinds of money came in because just the love for, for Lupe. She's a, a widow of a pastor that um, used to do the work there. So that's why we um, support her being a widow in that way. Haiti. About 25 churches in Haiti and also an orphanage. And there's kids from the orphanage there and, and, and Leslie who leads up that work. And, and with LHI, you know, we talk a lot about what do we do with the money. We have a limited supply of money, and it's hard to know because we have to say no to some things. And, and we know we're about the kingdom and the kingdom message. Bibles and churches, I mean, those kind of are at the top of our list, those kinds of things. But there's also a humanitarian aspect to this. And as I was talking about our brothers and sisters in Africa right now that 
don't have enough food. People are, are dying because there's not enough food. We know we can't feed the whole world on our budget or even come close or not even a drop in the bucket. But we also can't sit back and let people, our brothers and sisters, suffer. It just it doesn't sit well with us. So we do support an orphanage. Um, again, there's teaching going on, but it's, we do we send uh, $1,300 a month there for the orphanage and a food program and some other church help. But a lot of that is humanitarian aid um, to feed those kids, to make sure they have a place to stay, stay make sure they have clothes to wear. Um, so it's, it's a balance of how many Bibles, how much food you buy, and those, those choices. That's our website, lhicog.com. If you uh, head out that way, you can. it's been updated. You can see that. So how can you help here in the United States? There's a few things. Um, you can just talking about it with others. You know, get some excitement about it. Invite someone to come speak at your church about it. That, you did that. Um, just talk about it. Get it revved up. Could join a team if you're interested in joining a team. If you want to get into missions, um, that's fine. Talk to me. But there's a couple things um, that I think are important that you can all do from here. Not everyone's going to go to another country, um, and we don't need everyone to go to to another country. Um, again, it's their ministries, and we support them in different ways. But there, there's two main ways that we support them, and the first one is prayer. And if you turn to James 5.16, not going to do a sermon on prayer, but James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is the key. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So if you wondered if prayer matters, does it work? Well, it says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and it's effective. So prayer does change things. Prayer does matter. Prayer can make a difference in those countries. And you can obviously pray from here in this country. And they need your prayers. And if you do pray, it can be powerful over there. It can be very effective over there. So I don't want to underestimate at all about what prayer can do and how you can be a part of missions by praying for those missions here in the United States. You don't have to spend a dollar doing it. You don't have to go over there. You just need to take the time. And it's important. It's really important because you can affect things because it's effective. You, can, you have some power here because it's powerful. So please pray for these different mission fields. And then the last thing is to donate. Um, all of our funds that we use in LHI come from donations. That's, that's how we get everything done. All of our LHI board, we're all volunteers. We don't take a dime of that money. Uh, we're very grateful for the donations that come in. We get about a little over $100,000 a year. Um, it's, it's kind of an average. But our goal is literally to save the world. And in the world, there's, what, six, seven billion people and a $100,000 budget to save the world is, is not a lot. We have to make choices. 
So there's so much more we could do. Um, but we will do whatever funds come in, we will use those in the best way that, that we see possible. And it does make a difference in these places. And I used to not like asking for money because it's truly not about the money. And I was uncomfortable doing that. But to be honest, now, I, I mean, I think it's a privilege that we have to be involved in something so big and so important, trying to save every person in the world for an eternity. God's going to get his work done somehow. Whether we help him or not, he's going to find a way. I know he's going to provide the funds, though, if he wants it done. So I feel like our job is to let you know of the opportunities that are out there, the needs that are out there. If you don't know about these needs, if you haven't heard of these places, if you haven't heard about these people and that they need Bibles and they need money for transportation to go talk to other Christians and baptize them and they need money for rent to be able to meet um, on Sundays. If we don't tell you about those, then it's hard for you to know where to give your money to or or what you should give it to. So um, our job is to let you know what opportunities there are to give and, and it's up to you, of course. Um, and if you feel obligated, you're going to give. I know a lot of people get very passionate about missions, back to what Jesus' last words were of preaching the gospel to all nations and, and how important that is. And so a lot of us feel a, a, a big burden to try to get that done. Um, but if it's not your thing, it's, it's not your thing. Um, but we will take whatever is given and, and try to best spend that to further the kingdom. Uh, hopefully you've seen the catalogs that we sent out. There's another good way to see what kind of needs are out there. And another thing is just a bang for your buck. In a lot of these countries that we're dealing with, it's, it's not the United States. And their cost of living is so much different and they're so much more poor than we are. But in a way, we can be more effective because our dollars go a lot further in those countries. And one of the things... that we like to do is build churches in Africa to give them that spot. Well, churches cost $2,000 to build. And they're not the nicest. They don't look like this, but they're nice for there. It fits in with what they have there, and it gives them a place to meet. It gives them protection, and it costs $2,000. Now, I'm just going to give a conservative estimate that if we build a new church in America, it probably costs about $300,000. And you can... I'm sure you can imagine, spend a lot more on a church than that. And I would guess that this church is worth a lot more than $300,000. So for $300,000, you could build 150 churches in Africa. So I just want to point that out, that that money in a lot of these countries really goes a long way. Same with the food. The food, they need it so bad, but the food is also very cheap. We can feed um, families for like, $10 a month that will give them enough to subside on. It's not very great food. It's rice and beans, um, but it keeps them alive, which is what they're looking for, a lot of them. So so your your money, maybe it's not a huge amount, but the small amounts go a long ways as well. And then we have a lot of monthly commitments. I've mentioned some of those, and we struggle to keep those commitments going, and some of those funds get in deficit balances um, we have over $4,000 a month that we, we give out um, in Africa and Haiti and the orphanage and Russia, Maxim and Pakistan with the church buildings and Twiga with the school and Mexico with Lupe. And 
So it all adds up. And this is a continual commitment that we have each month that's over $4,000. And again, the only way we're doing it is from our local churches here in the United States um, sending in those, those donations. That's the only way it happens. So we built uh, the SOAR program. I don't know if you've heard that, but if you haven't, go out to our website. And that's just a monthly commitment to pledge an amount, whatever amount that might be, um, to help us with those monthly expenses to keep those going. If you feel it on your heart, um, like I said, lhicog.com, there's a donate button. You can set up um, some monthly things. They'll um, take your credit card so it just happens automatically. It's all secure. Or if, if that's not your thing, you could send in a check each month as well. That is a new program we have going. So to end, I just want to end with 1 Corinthians 9.24. I'll just go here. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So we're in a race. We're all in that race. The race is to get as many people in the kingdom as possible. And we're not just entering that race. You guys are here. You've entered the race. But we're not just supposed to run the race. We're supposed to run like we're trying to win. And you know, like Olympians and professional athletes, what they do, what they train to actually win a race. Yeah, everyone can run the race. But to win it, you have to go above and beyond. You've got to be passionate about it. You've got to exert a lot of effort and that's what's expected of us is not just run the race but run to win so hopefully that motivates you to run that race hard so we can win so we can find as many people as we can to be in that kingdom again thank you for all the support you've given to missions Um, some really good things are happening around the world but there is so much more to do Um, And it has been a pleasure working with you to further the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this church and the people here and their willingness um, to uh, be committed to you and your work and ask that you show us the way, show us the opportunities that are there and just thank you so much for the privilege we have of being a part of this important work of saving lives for an eternity. Please show us these people we need to find. Help us to spread this message. And uh, we look forward to the day when your kingdom comes, when we can see you face to face and we can see that smile on your face. And we so look forward to the day and just help us to find others that want to also take part in that special time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.